Thank you, Cody. Thank you, guys. Um, I pray that as you're, uh, as you're watching today, that, um, that the same energy that's in this room, um, you'd feel it there. And I, I believe you will because the Spirit is not bound to this place. And so um, let's open the Word together. Um, you know, people have told me countless times over the last 20 years, and I've suspected it myself, that if you let that guy keep preaching and doing what he does, eventually this is what's going to happen. Like there will be a totally empty room. And so here we are. Hey, I, I do want a voice of prayer this morning before we get into this, um, because I know isolation breeds fear, and, uh, and I know this is affecting um, a lot of different people a lot of different ways. And so I just want to pray for, for you specifically wherever you are, wherever you're tuning in, whatever your station of life is, um, you are not forgotten. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would comfort some people today. Remind them that they are not alone. Remind them that they, they can count on you because you are good and you are kind. We're going to read from your word about your goodness today. I pray that they would experience you in the midst of this, that, that instead of isolation breeding fear, that hope would be alive, just like we sang, that they would experience it in their homes right now, that, that you would give some dads the confidence to lead their families well during this time, that you might bring some people who haven't been spiritually present in their own homes together and awaken something during this time. God, I pray that our church will never be the same because of this. And churches all over the world would rise up in a way that they just haven't for a long time. God, we, we trust you. We don't understand you in this, but we trust you. And I pray that you would just breathe some hope into some people that feel vulnerable and weak. Soothe some fears. That I just sense some people don't even have words for. Um, but that's my prayer over the church today. And it's a gift to be able to, uh, to have the capacity to to just communicate at all and in any way be together. And so I pray that you would multiply our efforts and that you would draw people unto yourself. And that's my prayer in Jesus' name. And all four people said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, we're going to be uh, continuing this morning uh, our series in uh, the Sermon on the Mount called Great Expectations. We're about to land the plane here. Um, we're getting to the end of the last couple passages of this uh, of this and it's good stuff and so I, pr I pray that you'll stick with us to the end we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 and we're going to pick up in verse 7 of Matthew 7 and it's this is familiar uh, territory but maybe not the way you're going to hear it taught today and so I pray that uh, that um, that you might see some things that you haven't seen before but this is what the word says Matthew 7 7 through 11 says this ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find. Knock, it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? This passage, if you just take it for what we just read, and you don't read what's before it or what's after it, you might come away with some pretty jacked up theology. Um, There are churches all over that stand on this and and claim it's a name it and claim it kind of a gospel. Like it says right there, if you ask God, he's going to give it to you. And there's no conditions. If you just ask, if you seek, if you knock, you'll receive, the doors will be opened. Guys, that has not been my experience materialistically in this world. Has it been yours? I mean, it's, there has to be something more going on here than just saying, hey, God is good, and if you ask, he'll give it to you. Because, guys, I don't know if you're parents of children like, like I have children. Everything they've asked for in their life has not been good for them, right? And so we are kind of the same way. And you know that old country song, you know, I thank God for unanswered prayers? Um, that applies here. Something else has to be going on here. And so I think anytime you're reading the Bible, context matters. I've said it before, but you can't just start there and say, well, that's, that's, that's all it's saying. No, there's more here. And as I got into this, I was kind of, I was kind of shocked by the context. Um, I was kind of shocked the first time Brock stood up and read the whole Sermon on the Mount from beginning to the end and realized how these things tied together and bumped up against each other. But this is one of, this is one of the big ones because it's so misinterpreted. So how do we get context? Well, let's go back one verse. One verse. Matthew 7, verse 6 says this, Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I can hear what you're thinking right now. Well, thanks, Mark. That clears everything up. Hey, take it up with Jesus. It's his sermon, okay? That's what he said right before he said, ask and you shall receive. And so what does that mean? Because it sounds like if you just take that verse, it sounds like there's some people that aren't worth the time of day. It sounds like, because he's not talking about literal dogs and pigs. They're metaphors. They're metaphors for for people who don't deserve or can't handle the holy or the valuable. And so how does that relate to ask and you shall receive? I I think we got to go back further. And so if you go back to the beginning of this chapter, it's what Brock preached last week when he preached... Verses 1 through 5. And so let's, let's read those. And it says this, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you shall be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that it's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And that's where Brock stopped last week. And then the next verse is, do not give dogs what is holy. Don't cast your pearls before swine. What is Jesus talking about here? Because clearly, 
Brock did an awesome job last week of telling us, hey, we can't just look at the world so dualistically, like it's all good, people are all good or they're all bad. We're supposed to look at, he said, he used the word, um, the, the nuance. Was that the, the word? You got to notice the nuance, the shades of gray, okay? That people are capable of great good and great evil. You are and I am. And Jesus clearly says, don't judge people. Because by the same manner you're, you're judging people, you're going to be judged. But then he says, don't throw your pearls before pigs or give to a dog what is holy. Doesn't that sound like there's a judgment being made there? It's like you are going to come up against situations in your life where you have to make a choice. Do I invest myself here? Is this, is this what you're calling me to do? Because th this is what I think this verse is talking about. There are people that are not inherently evil, but they're not ready to hear anything about the kingdom, right? I mean, there are people that if you want to talk about godly things with them, and this is on social media all over the place, by the way. I mean, they just want to argue, right? They want to use the word to divide people, not to edify anyone. Those conversations, we have to have spiritual wisdom to know how to have them, right? I think that's what Jesus said. This is the context. Judge not, lest ye be judged. And by the way, there are people out there that are not ready to hear anything about the kingdom. They don't know how to treat it. They don't think it's valuable. They won't listen. So what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to know what to do in a time when there's so much anger in the world? There's so much division in social media. There's so many people just wanting to fight about stuff. And now so many people so afraid of everything. What is Jesus saying to us in this passage today? That is the context of ask and you shall receive. It's not about stuff. I believe he's talking about wisdom. He's talking about discernment. As a parent, I think one of my biggest responsibilities to my children was to teach them to make good choices. I mean, as a, as a parent, is there... I mean, yeah, we have to keep them safe, and, and we, have to, we have to shepherd them. We, we have to protect them. But eventually, they're going to they're gonna leave. And when they do, if we haven't taught them to make wise choices, to have a discerning spirit, then we haven't been good parents to them, right? Listen to this verse again, to this passage again, in the context of just being a good parent and... God being the perfect father, okay? And wanting us to have discernment, to know how to treat people well, to not judge them, to see the good and the bad, to, to accept people as imperfect beings and treat them with the grace of God. Listen to this in that context. Ask, and it will be given to you. Wisdom. Seek, and you will find discernment. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. God wants us to ask Him. 
He wants you to ask him. There's, there's something that warms a parent's heart when your child comes to you and asks for your counsel, right? I mean, maybe it's just me. Maybe it just puffs me up. But I like to think, well, you're asking me because you think I might have some wisdom. God loves it when we ask him. It's not that he needs us to talk to him. He needs information from us. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It's that he wants us to practice flexing those spiritual muscles. I believe the context of this whole passage is about making decisions about how to treat people. Making decisions about how to love people. If you look at it, the ask, seek, knock in the Greek, the, the tense of those verbs, it's, it's, a, it's a present tense. It's, it's an ongoing thing. It really, in English, it would be better It'd be better translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Persistence, it's like the, the, the parable of, of the persistent widow. It's this idea of just wearing somebody out just with your consistency. God wants us to keep asking. Too often, guys, we ask once, and we don't, we don't, we don't hear anything that, spiritual, and we think, well, I just got to make this decision the best I can. Maybe we just need to keep asking, keep, keep knocking. And I think the promise of Scripture here is not that you're going to get rich one day, that you're going to win the lottery, that you're going to... The promise here is that if we keep asking, he will, he will lead us. The Holy Spirit will lead us and show us how to treat people, how to not judge them, how to know when to engage and when to not to. Continual action. John Corson, in his commentary on the book of Matthew, said this, When you don't know what to do, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Not because God is hard of hearing or He's playing hard to get, but because we need the practice. We need the exercise in developing spiritual communication skills and trusting that as you do in the waiting, while you're waiting for the answer, that He is good. He is kind, and you can trust Him. He will take care of you. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more is your heavenly Father going to take care of you? He's not going to let you bite into a rock. He's not going to let you try to eat a snake. It's right there. He's saying, trust me, ask me, keep knocking. I'll open the door. I'll show you how to treat people. Listen, wherever you are, however afraid you might be today, the world has never in our lifetimes needed the church to rise up and treat people the way Jesus wants us to treat people than he does right now. Never before in, in our lifetimes have we encountered anything like this where the whole world is paralyzed and the church is told you can't get together that doesn't mean we can't live out the Word. It doesn't mean we can't love people the way Jesus loves us. We can trust Him. This is not, it might have pushed a pause button on everything else in your life, but it has not pushed a pause button on the way you're supposed to love one another. We go to the next two verses. Some of the most well-known passages 
in the Bible, some of the most famous words of Jesus, and it says this, Matthew 7, verses 12 through 14. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I'm going to stop right there for just a second. So, so if you read that in the King James, the word at the beginning of verse 12 is not so, it's therefore. And my good friend Rod Collins, who is not worried about the coronavirus whatsoever right now, always taught me, whenever you see the word therefore, ask what it's there for. And this is right after what he just said about not judging people, about the, the pigs and the dogs, and then asking and receiving. It's the context. Therefore, because of what I just said, however you want to be treated, treat other people that way. It's, it's really that simple. Jesus said, this is the law and the prophets. For you and me today, when, when, when somebody says that to us, we think, those are not good things. You know, those are, those are that's like bondage. But for, for the people Jesus was talking to, that was life. That was their, their conduit to God, the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying, hey, you're all tied up in knots about all this stuff. This is the law and prophets. However you want to be treated, treat other people that way. Period. What does that look like? If you want others to be thoughtful, be thoughtful. If you want others to be intentional, be intentional. If you want others to be generous, you be generous. If you want to invite others to join your luge team, invite them to join yours. Wait, it's a bobsled, isn't it? The luge is, is more of a single thing. It's a, forget that whole thing. You're welcome, Michael Cronin. If you want someone to love you enough to tell you the truth in love, then love them enough to tell them the truth in love. It's, it's really whatever speaks love to you. Be willing to go first. This is the law and the prophets. See, for you and me, that's not enough because we're, we don't live under the law anymore. And, and Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies. But see, Jesus knew he was going to change everything. He knew he was going to fulfill this. And so later he would say in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he would say this, a new command I give to you that you love one another just as I've loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Guys, it's that simple. If the world ever need, needed love, it needs it now. It needs the church to rise up and overcome our own fear and be creative about how we reach out in the midst of all these restrictions. Wisdom. Ask. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. We're, this, is, this is what staff meetings have looked like for us. It's just redefining everything we think about church over the last couple of weeks. It's like, Okay, we can't do that anymore. How are we going to reach out and let people know they're not alone? How can we help people? How can we make sure that people don't feel forgotten? Guys, if, let, me, let me just say this. If you're a person in the church that's been one of those people that just comes and sits in the crowd and gets up and goes home, you are at great risk right now. 
because you don't have real community around you. You don't have people reaching into your life. And it's not that they don't love you, they don't want to, it's that they, they don't have the platform to do it. We can't go back and fix that. You know, maybe we can fix it in the future, but right now, church, we need to be intentional. We need to think of faces. We need to think of names. We need to reach out. We need to, because people are likely not going to reach out to us if they haven't already. Guys, if we ever needed deacons in the church, we need them now. If we ever needed people with the gift of hospitality to take a chance and reach out, we need it now. I can't do it by myself. Brock can't do it by himself. A new command I give you. Just as I've loved you, you love one another. Paul would go on in Galatians 5, 6, and he'd say, all this stuff about circumcision, non-circumcision, Jews, Gentiles, all that, none of that matters. All that mattered on that side of the cross, which is where we are, is your faith expressing itself in love. That's the only thing that matters. William Barclay, in his commentary on Matthew, just because so, just I don't want anybody to, 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 to misunderstand that whole pearl before swine thing. Guys, everyone deserves a chance. Paul said, I was the chief of all sinners. Okay? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound it saved a, a, such a worm as I, right? None of us have the right to approach God without grace, right? And so I don't think Jesus was saying, that person, they're not worth your time. I think what he was saying, and I, I, I love what William Barclay said about this in, in regards to the concept of, of, of the throwing your pearls before swine, in regards to there being people in our lives who are just not ready to hear words, who just want to fight, all that stuff. He said this, and I thought it was brilliant. What Christian words cannot do, the Christian life can often do. We don't have to engage in, in conversation and arguments that divide people. We don't have to do that. We can live like Jesus said to live, and that speaks so much louder. You don't have to respond every time someone offends you on social media. You just don't. We don't have to engage in those conversations. It's not because those people are bad. It's because no matter what you say, your words won't mean anything. Your life will mean something. How do you respond in love? How do you love them like Jesus loved you? And this was the other thing that kind of just stood out, and I'm, 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 I'm done, okay? And it's, it's the next two verses, because these verses have always kind of scared me, and they should, um, but it's, I've just never thought about it in, in context before. Verses 13 and 14, right after the golden rule, Jesus says this, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. I think Jesus is talking about living that kind of life that does for other people what 
you would rather them do for you. You do that first and you just make a lifestyle of that. And guys, that's a narrow road and there aren't many people walking it. But Jesus said, hey, this is the law and the prophets. Love people the way that you want to be loved and then follows it up with enter by the narrow. This is the narrow gate. This is that, that straight road. It's the hard road to walk, isn't it? To just keep being first, to give yourself away, to keep being first, to serve first, to, to, to make yourself low, to lift someone else up. Guys, that's a hard road, but that's the road that Jesus walked for us. And it is the road that he's calling us to walk, even in days like today. Look around. Most of the world doesn't live like that. Most of the world, maybe crisis brings out this kind of sacrifice in people. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, there are people all over the place doing incredibly kind things right now, reaching out in ways that they, they didn't before. Jesus is saying, guys, this should be the way we live. It shouldn't take a pandemic or tornadoes or earthquakes or anything like that to make you get outside of yourself and love other people first. It's the narrow way. It's the narrow gate. The world needs it now more than it ever has, I think. Living this way in today's environment is tricky, though. It's tricky to know, okay, so social isolation. Mark, you're telling us to reach out and love people. Yep. How are you going to do it? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. He will give you the wisdom. But don't take this as an excuse to hole up in your house and just shut the world out. The world needs the church more than it ever has. I believe that. My fear for some people in the church is that they would take this, this, this circumstance as a reason to make church even more of a spectator sport, something to be watched. I mean, we're inviting you to watch online. But if you just watch online and you don't do anything with what you're watching, if you just check the box, guys, that's not bringing you closer to Jesus. We're going to have to take extra measures to make sure that we don't just become spectators. Guys, I'm a sports junkie. My life has been empty in large part for many hours of the day that I obsess about stupid things, right? And a lot of you are in the same boat. What are we going to do to fill in those gaps? Are we just going to find other things to watch? Or maybe we can engage life in a different way. Maybe we can find ways to be servants in ways that we didn't before. You don't have to touch somebody. You don't have to get close to them to mow their yard, to, you, to fix somebody's car, to whatever your gifts are. Find ways in these days to use your gifts. Pray for discernment. Keep asking, keep seeking. And when you get that discernment, when you, when you Brock talked about last week, the, the, the verse in Acts where he said it, it, it pleased the Holy Spirit and them. It's like when you get that peace, do you feel like God's smiling? Just do it. Don't, just don't find an excuse not to do it. And I don't know what next week will look like. I don't know how long this is going to last, but if we just do the next right thing, 
just do the next right thing, I think God's going to take care of the rest. I, don't, I can't fix your 401ks. I can't, I can't speak to the, to the fear that, that America has now because for the most part, our treasures are here. Why do you think he's told us just a little bit earlier, don't gather treasures in heaven, on earth? Because that's where your heart's going to be. There are a lot of people dying on the inside right now because they're treasures. They're watching them crumble. You can still redefine your treasures. Live this out. Ask, seek, knock. Love people well. Let everything else take care of itself. Pray with me. Father, um, I pray that you would stir some people to love well. Um, I've been so grateful to see people I know and love rising up in this way and just serving, and it's been beautiful. God, I pray it would be infectious, that we would just, like your word says, try to outdo one another in showing honor to others. God, if we're going to compete, let's compete in that way, and just love like that, so that the world might see that the church is not just a a bunch of religious stuck-ups that just think they're better than, no, we know ourselves Let us show the world that we've been redeemed and they can be redeemed. And we don't have to cater to fear. Thanks for not giving up on me.